everybody. I have Jeff Jarrett with me right now. We're going to be talking about his new podcast coming to ad-free shows. It's called My World with Jeff Jarrett. Debuts on May 4th. Uh, plenty to get into. Jeff, how are you doing today? Good. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, the uh, I'll call it the media tour for my world. Um, is uh, It's been qu- quite the whirlwind. I got, I got Australia uh, chats going on tonight. Um, it, it's, it's pretty exciting. So uh, we're excited. Conrad, uh, finally, uh, I guess I'll say mission accomplished. Finally, finally wrangled me in, but we're excited. We've got our first live event coming up in June. So good stuff. I, I feel feel like that's a good lead into my first question. It feels like uh, it, it was in the works or it seemed like a natural fit for so long. What made this the right time for the show? You know, um, my wife has actually asked me that, that, that like, why now? Um, and, 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 you know, uh, it goes without saying, and I've said this on multiple interviews, so I try not to be too repetitive, but it, you're asking the question. I've never been a guy to look in the rearview mirror. I just haven't. And, I, I, and I've reflected on that as of late. And I think sort of my upbringing in, in, in the early territory days, no matter how good of a television show or an angle or a match you had at a Saturday morning or the following week, you had to do it again. And so you don't really. Yes, you need to learn from the past and learn from history and you repeat the same mistakes. But my mindset has always been moving forward and how can I get better and how can I innovate and do things differently? So me telling wrestling stories is something that I always viewed as uh, do it in a car, you know, do it in the locker room, do it in the dressing room. That's what we've done. But now that Conrad, I'll say, has, has built the ad-free family, which is so impressive and, and, and cumulus as our distribution partner and the business model. And, you know, we're, we're talking A-list sponsors with Geico and, and I could get into the list. Uh, this isn't about tooting the sponsors, but, but you know, just the business form and, and obviously the pandemic. I have to say that during this time, I, I thought and, and reflected on some different things. The way we consume entertainment is so, you know, you can call it appointment television, but it's truly on demand. And podcast is now in that genre. It's, you know, on, on demand viewing, um, you know, terrestrial radio is still there. And, and but, but even the news is no longer just consumed uh, the NBC nightly news or whatever it is. It's, it's with our phones. And so on demand, instantaneous information and on demand entertainment I, I, I've had a change of perspective, something that Conrad has touched on over the last few years, but now it just sort of all come together that I'm hoping me and Conrad and I've, I've listened to the podcast with Bruce and Eric and others and know the cadence, you know, it's not guest dependent. It, it's truly, let's take an event. And, and, and I've lived these stories my entire life. So the story behind the story I'm a huge basketball fan and the last dance and watching that last year and really seeing the ins and outs. I, I, I love Michael Jordan in the nineties watching the last dance and the whole, what went into the, that entire dynasty fascinated me. So, so the story behind the stories is, is something that I feel now the time's right. I've just celebrated 35 years in the business. So I'm ready to dive in and, and tell those stories, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> well, I will say this, uh, you were the guy that was on the ground floor with fight and look how they blew up. So if that's not, uh, you know, giving, a you, you know, vouching for something and you're talking about how we consume media differently, like you were 
you were totally right on that. So I will give you props <laughs> for that. Uh, I appreciate that. Looking how, <laughs> how big fight is like back then it was flips media, but I, I think you touched on a really important part where, you know, you've been everywhere. Like I'm talking like the biggest promotions, like regional promotions, international, and even more recently, I've been learning more about like territories. And I will note, uh, I talked to bad company recently where, you know, Pat and Paul, uh, yeah, Pat and yeah, Paul Diamond. they teamed with you and they, you know, I was like, Oh, wow, that's interesting. I didn't really know that. I knew that you worked and I, I kind of knew like your family's history, like your grandmother and your father and that, but I think that's what the hook is going to be for this show. And I'm really, really excited to learn more about the history of the business. And maybe you've told a few stories here and there, but it's never been topical. Like, Oh, here was this event. And I think it's really going to fit into the ad free shows lineup because Eric has his, you know, like focus on WCW and Bruce has WWF in Houston. And you have your own area where I think, you know, you're, you, you are, not just one area you have a few different areas so i mean i get now that i'm stopped rambling uh, <laughs> uh i've learned stories about uh memphis but i didn't live it so i'm sure you're gonna gonna maybe get into that but is there any element of memphis wrestling or wrestling that you <laughs> want to see return today any element of it um yeah. the the thing that that look we live in a Obviously, it's a different era, a different time. But the thing that, you know, when you broke down North America back in the day, uh, 22 regional promotions. Um, and, and we did a live television show every Saturday morning uh, in, in Memphis. And uh, you talk about episodic in nature, but what aired on television, then you went down to the arena and that was the payoff every week. And, and so the episodic nature of the live event and the churn of the business and how it worked. I'm, I'm really blessed. I'm lucky that I got to understand that when you do a storyline, an angle on TV, you ne really need to think it through because you have to have uh, the consumer, the viewer, what the buyer, the ticket buyer, whatever it is, whatever you're doing needs to translate into dollars, period. End of story. That was what I was raised on. That's the whole mentality that you shoot an angle on Saturday morning for TV and, and you entice ticket buyers. Now, obviously, it's a different model and you get them to entice to buy pay-per-views or the following week on television. But sort of the art and the mindset and that concept uh, of, of, of what you do uh, on television has to lead episodically to the, to the next. I think, quite frankly, a lot of things get lost in the shuffle um, in, in so many different ways. You mentioned fight and, and, and the ability of transactional pay-per-view and back in those other days, I'm glad that you're, you're one of the few that remember it being called flips. But when we did Wrestle Kingdom nine in new Japan and had no episodic buildup to it, it was all word of mouth, but we, we, you know, Jim Ross, the greatest, the voice uh, of professional wrestling, but, but, you know, our team, uh, Jim sat down and, and, and narrated, uh, and did an interview, but the buildup to Wrestle Kingdom Nine was wildly successful on fight because they had the you know early days, but yes, but it, they had the means to, to 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 give the payoff, and we promoted it that um, that business was red hot. You had AJ and Doc and Carl and and obviously Tanahashi and Okada and just that whole build. So um, you asked the question, 
what would, and I'm not sure, I may be paraphrasing, but, you know, from those territory days, Memphis, uh, you know, week in, week out, and, and learning the mindset of the business that, that first and foremost, it is a business. And I think a lot of times uh, in the world we live in, people lose sight uh, that we're in the wrestling business. Music in many ways has been so important to your career. You could look at with my baby tonight and then my world, what, what it meant for you as an active wrestler and now what it means. You got the title of your new podcast uh, from it. So what, what do what do you take from like building that mood from using music? Because you, you do have like two distinctly different pieces of music where with my baby tonight was a storyline and then, social media like brought it back to the forefront a couple of years ago, but then my world was, you know, this serious piece of music set the tone, like, you know, really did a lot for your character. So how, how important do you feel like music is to the wrestling business then and now? Uh, and here, here's something that when I, you know, I've often done seminars or just talking to guys on the phone or in person and pulling a guy aside as a producer and just talking we're in the business of emotion, period. Yes, it's very athletic. With that, it goes without question. You have to have, you know, uh, uh, you have to be an athlete. But the best athletes aren't the best wrestlers. It's the ones that can connect emotionally. Uh, Rock's the perfect example. E even as a, a nation of the domination version of the Rock, he connected emotionally. Music is an art form. Wrestling is an art form. But you connect e emotionally. Um, you know, they say 75% of all communication is nonverbal. So that means there's an emotion component, whatever it may be. And, and, and so music sets the tone for so many things. And the, the other parallel that I try to draw um, out of music as it relates to wrestling is, you know, what makes a number one hit? Everybody wants a number one hit. Well, is it the singer or the song? And I've gave this analogy over and over and over. You, you can't have a number one without a great song, but you also have to have a great performer. So those two together. So in, in our business, to, to, to have a great storyline, you, you got to have the right players in the right position with the right story, with the right promotion and the right marketing around it. So there's so many different components. So, so if you try to live on an island, you, you, you without question uh, uh, fail. And most of them fail quickly. So, Music and the emotional component of it. And yes, it has played a part uh, for me uh, for a long, long time. The parallels to Elias, they're obvious. I'm sure that you've been asked plenty of times. So who else can you see being a breakout talent where more to your point, all of those things coming together? Like, is there anybody right now that you can see that maybe people aren't giving enough credit or they're right on the you know, right on the cusp and you, you could see having all those things come together and really being a name that we can look forward to through, through maybe the, the rest of this year or the future? See, it, 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 that's, that's a great question. And I could probably give you a list of, I don't know, I don't say 20 guys, but, but multiple guys. But, but, but it, it, again, it's that when their music hits nowadays and the slick production uh, almost, I mean, there's independent shows that have incredibly slick production, um, but it, it's that, it's that connection of the music and the persona and, 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 and it goes without saying, you know, we get to know individuals um, who have the best 
I'll say social media presence that you can resonate years ago in the nineties and even 2000 to quote unquote, get over to be exposed was just on television. Th those days are gone. So the person in a lot of ways with the best social media game is the one who's going to be the breakout star. So you can look at a, a, a list of different guys. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always loved Sami Zayn. He, he, he's right up my alley, but you know, there, there, there's a uniqueness to him on social media and yes, he, he, he raises funds and charities and all that, but you've got to connect social media wise. That's just as important today as being on television in a lot of ways, but the breakout star, Oh man, I'd have to, um, I'd have to, uh, I mean, the, the, I don't want to just say the obvious, but you can look at the obvious in all the companies, uh, the guys getting pushed. I like to find the guys that are the diamonds in the rough and, and I'll leave that to myself, but uh, I'll just say this, look at somebody with real good social media game and you'll answer your question. Here's a more direct question. All right. What's the recipe for the chicken salad? Oh, okay. <laughs> you ready for this? Ready. Stay tuned to any of my social media at Real Jeff Jarrett, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Conrad. That recipe, and you think I'm kidding. We just had a conversation yesterday or two days ago. We are going, man, you you know how to ask the tough questions. <laughs> and I tell you this. The, the the recipe will be revealed. That's what the that's what I want to know. That's what the people want to know. So I, I figured out. I love it. I, I had to put I, you on the spot. I can't wait to tell Conrad this question. <laughs> uh, again, uh, my world with Jeff Jarrett. Uh, it premieres on ad free shows uh, May fourth. You also have a live show coming up. That's going to be really fun. Jimmy Seafood on uh, June twelfth. Uh, I'll get you out on this. Uh, I wanted to talk a little about your in-ring career a bit. Uh, I've been doing a watch list kind of since we've been home last year and I have it. Usually I just ask uh, a match that's representative of your career or one that you have fond memories of, but I'm going to do it in two parts. Uh, what's your favorite WWE match and what's your favorite TNA era match? Hmm. Yeah, it, it, and I've always, obviously, you're not the first person, won't be the last person to ask me that question, but my favorite WWE match, you know, the the, the, the real simplicity of me and Sean, uh, I, had, uh, some, I had some really good, great matches, uh, I felt, with Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Uh, the China match was obviously talked about uh, in, in so many different ways and so many different reasons uh, that... Um, but, you know, some of the things that aren't really talked about that I just remember very, very fondly, um, we had a series of tag matches, me and Sean with the roadie. Uh, he was not road dog then, the roadie in our corner against Scott and Kevin, Brazier and Diesel. And those tag matches were some of the most fun I've ever had in the ring. Also, some of the most grueling and hard hitting um, and that was a, a time in, uh, of my career. And you, you can just imagine, you know, 94, 95, where all of us are at in our careers. Uh, you know, I look back on it and, and I can remember coming through the curtain many, many times and different guys, whether it was uh, the man himself or, or others like you guys tore it down. And, and those kind of very rewarding to, to put together something like that. So that would be one of my favorites. Um, uh, those series of matches in WWE. So TNA, you know, uh, at the stage of my career, um, 
that, that I had with Kirk, uh, you know, wh where we were at 10 years ago, I was early forties. I didn't expect to have those type level of matches, but Kirk, his timing, yes, he's a great athlete, but his timing and his ear for the business and those series of matches, I'm very, very proud of. Um, we beat the hell out of each other uh, and, 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 and we're super aggressive, but we had a parking lot brawl that was uh, a, a, a really hard hit one, but obviously we had cage matches. We had all kinds of matches, but, but those series of matches, something that were some of my very favorite and obviously my early AJ style matches, me and him have laughed about that through the years, but we, we were both, I'm trying to start up a company and he's a young guy, but when we got in the ring, uh, we had great chemistry. I want to add one more thing to that. Uh, you're talking about early days of TNA. If you had to, what do you want it, the legacy of that to be like what you started and kind of what it turned into like is you know I, 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 i've said especially i've been asked you know on this tour i really look at tna from 2002 to about 2009 2010 2010-ish on its impact um in, in so many ways so um man those were some of the craziest years of my life lots of ups lots of downs but but i tell you one thing the momentum that we took it from literally a, a thought, a, a dream, and turned it into a two-hour program on Spike TV, uh, getting two million viewers a week. Um, it was very, very rewarding. Um, and man, some of the best times of my life. And in closing, I, I hope we get to hear a lot more about the uh, the time frame you just referenced. And everybody, check out My World with Jeff Jarrett. May fourth premieres on Ad Free Shows. You're going to get a chance to see everybody live uh, in Baltimore in June. That's going to be pretty fun. I'm hoping I can make it down there. Uh, if I don't, if I don't, I'm going to try, I, I, you know, it's short hour and a half drive, but if I don't, I want to thank you for the time today. Uh, thank you. Lucha Libre online, Michael, uh, who put this all together and have a good afternoon. Uh, good luck with the show. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. I really do appreciate your time today.